0: Hey everyone, this is Christopher Carter. I would like to tell you about the release of my latest book entitled Forever A Tale of the Victorious End of Time. It's my second full length novel and my first in Christian fiction. Forever imagines what the end times might be like during the millennial age of the church. It's a mystery and suspense novel with a full cast of people, angels, and demon characters. The storyline is drawn from Revelations chapter 20, where the Bible says Satan must be released one last time. I think you're going to like it. Visit my website at ChristopherLynnCarter.com, click on Bookshelf, and follow the links. It's available now in paperback, Kindle ebook, and audiobook with narration and voice characterizations by yours truly. That's forever at ChristopherLynnCarter.com. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Good morning, everyone. This is Christopher Carter. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. This is the Science of Think podcast, as I call it. And um, I thought I would shift gears with you today and deal with something that I have been wanting to deal with. But was wanting to be sure the lord was okay with uh saying something public about it it's been over 2 years so i um i've been prayerfully creeping up on uh my question to him and i believe he's uh at this point it's okay to go ahead and begin to address it i um i spend quite a bit of time following politics um and It's really mostly because it's uh, my assignment is is to the nation and to the nations. And so I follow the dialogue. I'm uh, at times begrudgingly following social media. And I do quite a bit of reading because I'm uh, taking the pulse, as it were, of the people. Because the people are God's heart. Uh, The people is who God loves. Uh, The nation is who God loves. The nations, plural, is who God loves. And his entire motive, uh, primary motive, revealed in the scripture was to have a family. And so he created us in his own image to have a family. And in doing so, he um, gave us a free will, like he has a free will. So that we had the power to choose. And then he commanded us to follow him and be like him, which is what any good father would do. And of course, we know the story in the garden and the Garden of Eden and the fall and all that. I won't go into that today. Um, but as I'm following politics and I'm, listening, I'm taking the pulse, as it were, of the people, um, and I'm an older guy now, so I remember I was a. Uh, just a small child in the 70s, and um, uh, as the 70s went on, moved into high, uh, junior high and high school. And uh, I've seen America change, and I've seen the nations change. And I am a, a student of history, and I read history quite a bit, and have found enormous amounts of insight you gain from studying history. So um, every year, I've learned, I've been doing this for well over a decade now. I uh, do what is called a soft sabbatical, which that's just my term that says, hey, I'm not going to completely leave work and business and go somewhere on a mountaintop, as it were. I'm just going to kind of keep working, but I'm going to dial my secular vocation back, and I'm going to spend extra time in the fall of every year just prayerfully... Meditating the Word and seeking the lord's counsel, I've become quite a man of prayer since two thousand and fifteen and uh it was I believe it was a sovereign and divine uh moment when the Lord revealed that to me and so I joined the worldwide what I believe is a worldwide intercessory prayer army and if if you're listening to this and you're one you you know you're one and you know what I'm talking about but anyway. Um, so I would pull away, and I would spend extra time. And over the years, I developed a habit of writing down a, a, a bulleted outline about topics the Lord w- would speak to me on. Many of them in the early years were personal. He was still discipling me and training me and healing me in some ways that I needed it. And um, <clears throat> it it evolved into quite a structure where these I would. A- Create an outline and um, in the year in two thousand at the end of two thousand and nineteen um, I was once again usually around October sometime in october i'll feel I'll hear the Holy Spirit whisper to me it's it's time to start thinking about the coming year, so I will go back and pull up the previous year's outline. I develop a bulleted outline every year of things he says, and then I go back and review that at near the end of the year and see, uh, did I accomplish some of those things that, they, that we discussed, uh, things that he told me, did they come to pass, those kinds of things. And over the years, it has grown and proven to be an invaluable resource for me as, as I look at the nation and observe and see what's going on and what he's doing and what he, what he wants to, to do and what he's saying to his people. And so 2019 was no exception. And um, I want to make this statement first before I go into Judges chapter 6 and the word about the cities. When you look out into the public square of our nation, the United States, as well as the other nations, our sister nation in Canada, the nations to the south of us, The European nations. God loves the nations. He commanded mankind to build the nations and to form governments within those nations based upon his supreme law, which is the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments he gave Moses on the mountain. And later he followed up, Christ followed up, and gave us two additional commandments, really when he said that you love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and all that you are first. And the second is no less greater, that you love your neighbor the way you love yourself. And those are the 12, what I consider to be the 12 great commandments upon which man is empowered and authorized by God to form nations and create governments that's, that subscribe using his 12 commandments as a framework that subscribe to that framework, there, and thereby we can now, in Christ, fulfill that the greatest of commissions, which was to tend the garden and to keep it, and to, to multiply and replenish the earth. That was the original commandment that God gave Adam in the In the garden, and that commission there has never ceased. Christ came to pay for sin and restore us to God by grace through faith. That was God meeting us halfway. Our responsibility in that offer of eternal life is to agree with Him that we transgressed in the garden, we sinned in Adam, we were in Adam's loins, as it were, and we. Sinned with him because of spiritual genealogies, if you think of it in that way, and that we commit sins because our nature became sin in Adam, and we commit sins now in our lives because of that nature. Christ came to to heal that by paying the price of God's justice. This is I'm kind of warming you up for where I'm taking you with this this word. So when we he's reconciled himself to us through his son Christ, but we have to accept his offer by accepting the unaltered terms, which are, I'm a sinner, I cannot save myself, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, salvation is by grace through faith, and I must personally confess to him that this is so. He will take all of my sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west for all eternity and will remember it no more. I am restored to him, therefore, and I am am once again a king's son and, and destined to inherit the kingdom along with Christ. So that's critically important that you understand that. If you're new maybe to some of these ideas, I wanted to make sure that's a really tight, terse summary, but to set up something for you that God wanted a family. Of all the reasons that many of which we still, I think we still don't know, he wanted a family and he wanted to fellowship with his family, and he wanted his family to voluntarily love him, which is why he made you in his image, you and I, and gave us a free will. And that free will was abused in the garden at the temptation and testing the temptation of Satan, and we committed high treason. But God was not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? So in studying the the old testament, Specifically, and I've become, I read the Bible as history a lot. We see faithful Abraham, back back at the beginning when he called Abraham, at, at, at the beginning of uh, have him initiating his covenant, okay, and bringing salvation to mankind, he called Abraham out of a, the city of Ur and made promises to him that because of his faithfulness all the seed all the all the all the nations of the earth would be blessed and that was he was speaking directly of Christ um and then he you know the lord his chosen people the jews ended up down in uh, in uh, in egypt because of the famine and oh uh, there there arose a pharaoh after that After Joseph had passed away, who didn't know Joseph, and because of the wealth that God had granted him through all of that, it, he became lifted up in pride and ultimately enslaved the Hebrews, and there was 400 years of bondage, and that was where God raised up Moses, and the, you know, the exodus occurred, and they crossed over into the Jordan River, and uh, began to conquer the ites in the land and those God's chosen people began to fulfill his promise to Abraham okay and so keep all keep in mind that through all of this God considers the earth people his family and and through the mosaic law it was only the jewish nation only the hebrews the gentiles were on the outside they weren't part of the covenant they weren't included But ultimately, they were destined to be. And so now Christ, so then Christ came and revealed to the world that he was the chosen one that even Moses spoke about. And he did signs and wonders. (laughs) So many. That when John and John when John penned his gospel, he said, "If if, I suppose even the books, all the books of the world, couldn't contain all the things that he did." And so we we've preached and we've listened to messages. Those of us that have been in Christianity been in Christianity for a while, uh, and we forget. I did forget sometimes that the volume of these things that he did was so prolific. There were so many. He was. They were so prolific. He was leaving no doubt about who he was. No one had ever done anything even close to this. So that we are without excuse to not believe. And yet there, there were people in his generation who did not believe. Like their forefathers before them down through the centuries and the, the nation of Israel and the, ultimately the divided kingdom and so on and so forth. You have to go back and read the Bible as history. God said, you're a stiff-necked people. And I'm doing all these wonderful things for you, but you still withstand me. They worshipped other gods. They, they broke his commandments. And at times, he even exiled them from their own land that he promised to give them. And that's always a curse. To abandon the land or be driven from the land or escape out of the conflict that God has set forth. That's always the curse, not the blessing. That's a foreshadowing of something I'm going to deal with. in the- weeks to come. So my statement today is when you look out into the world, you look you read the news, it's undeniably, there's an undeniable void that's being created. And and this thing appeared suddenly in early twenty twenty. Didn't it? It did. That, su- that spring was when we heard, first heard of COVID-19. And as we moved into the summer months, the, the protests began turning into destruction of property, setting of fires, gunfire, and murder, and death. And it happened suddenly, didn't it? It did. And when, when the Lord talks about a void, that's what he's talking about. The void is the absence of godliness, the absence of moral value to which he has assigned his family of mankind, because we choose to forsake it. Now here's the first part of the word. God has not create is not creating this void. And here it is what May 22nd, 2022, we're still in it. He's not creating this void. He's not creating a void for us. He's revealing one. Now why would he do this? The answer is to get our attention. Whether People on earth believe in a God or not. He's still God. Whether we, you know, approve of what he says, he doesn't change. He's not asking for permission to be God of all the earth and the universe, which he says he is. Nor is he seeking approval to do anything. The scripture says, because God himself could swear by no greater, because there's no greater than him. He would swear by himself. He ha- he cannot fail. That's what the scripture says. Hard sometimes for me even to believe how that works. But believe me, in my own personal life, I've e- witnessed and experienced some. They're few and far between, but some amazing things. Even in a few cases, actual miracles. They are the exception, not the rule. But they did occur. I was there. So God is not creating a void. He's revealing one. He's allowing the circumstances to act as an amplifier to us because we cannot hear over the noise of our own personal wants, desires, and even our own very own lives. You say, well, what, Chris, what do you mean when you say can't hear? We can't hear his voice over the noise of what the world has to offer us. And this is not something that's happened overnight. Those of us who are older, I'm bringing up the, the you know, the rear, as it were, of the baby boomer generation. I really don't, never have really identified with the baby boomers, but depending on who you talk to and where that cutoff is, um, they talk, we talk, and I remember this, we talk about how different America was up until the 70s, and, when, and it started to change. And what changed was less time and attention spent on God the Creator, and more time and attention spent on our own opulence, our pursuit of material things and fulfilling our own desires, building our own world and our own life and turning Christianity into a ritualistic practice to which we assign an hour or two on Sunday morning, if at all. When that is not what God commanded us to do. The The Christianity, actual Christianity in the Bible, in how God has commanded that we live our lives, looks amazingly different than how we actually live our lives in the West for certain, and in many other places, most other places around the world. It's amazing. And he, because he's a loving and just father, he's long-suffering, and he's waited patiently. Since I was a very young man, called to the ministry and preaching the gospel in my late 20s, I had target and tone, as it were, on the abortion issue and wrote an article, one of the first, I was blogging before there was an internet, before their personal computers were personal computers, that's how far back I go, so we would print up this little newsletter, and then take it to a printer, and pay the printer, and then buy the bulk postage, and mail it out, and I wrote an article once, called The Throngs of Battle, and used a public domain uh, painting of the American Civil War, and in that article, I likened the American Civil War and the inhumanity that man would enslave another man for any reason that we did ha- we had this in north in north america that god would judge god judged america for the sin of slavery to win, to the, the sin of hatred for just, you know, name your reason here. And in the Americas, it was, well, you don't look like I do. Your skin's a different color, so you're not human. I mean, the insanity, demonic insanity of that. And yet people subscribe to it, still do. And, and we're that's some of what we're struggling with in America still. That's how pervasive demonic power is and sin is, you see? So, as I prayed for the nations since really since 2015 is when my, the assignment was made known to me, and the Lord confirmed it with a private word that someone gave to me and went down in Florida. Um, he took me through to uh, Judges chapter six back then, and I and and I I can't remember how long ago this was. It was back around that time it may have been a little bit before but i was reading through uh, this the, he told me to read through the judges and when i got to judges six there's a there's a, th- a kind of theme through the judges the judges were uh, a period of time before the nation of israel god's chosen people transitioned into the kings and the priest and the prophet uh and so uh Gideon in Judges chapter 6 is the main character, and there's a ver in chapter 6, the Lord walked me through this, and has continually, had continually brought this up to me, off and on over the years, and he did again in late, uh, in early December of 2019. I'm going to read the pa- passage to you, so just bear with me. Uh, this is Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to read out of the NIV. Uh, The scripture says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, The Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts it was impossible to count them or the camels or their camels they invaded the land to ravage it midian so impoverished the israelites that they cried out to the lord for help and when the israelites cried out to the lord because of midian he sent them a prophet who said This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God, Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not listened to me. And early in 2019, as I was revisiting this passage of Scripture, the Lord began to move on me, and I began to see something that I had not seen before. I began to see God's judgment, now hang on to that word judgment for a minute, because there is a misunderstanding in much of the body of Christ about the word judgment, and unfortunately the body of Christ has been uh, surreptitiously invaded with doctrines of devils, and in so many cases, probably likely... It's got to be the majority of cases, as often as I encounter it. The devil will take scriptures themselves and twist them just enough so that they they don't really mean what God said they mean. And before you know it, he'll have us preaching his gospel for him. And this is how these things work. So, briefly, the word judgment... There are two kinds of judgment in the Bible. There's a judgment unto death, which is eternal. Okay, Ultimately, it's the eternal death or eternal separation, not annihilation, separation from God, which you're fully aware and fully conscious. You just are totally separated from him with absolutely no way eternally of ever getting back to him. And no person on planet Earth alive has ever experienced that. they can't describe us to us how horrid it is. Only Jesus described it to us that it was like burning in hell. It's like burning with a fire. Then there's a judgment unto life, and the same word judgment is often translated in our English Bibles, but it's a a judgment is a decision that something is perfectly correct, which is God in His Word, and where you are is falling short of that but I'm going to father you in it so that you can learn and grow. So it that has life in it. A loving father will discipline a child that he loves to train him up in the way that he should go, or she should go, right? So here we have seven years of oppression from foreign nations we have a throng of people raging over the border of Israel and invading them and grazing off their substance in ancient Israel it was the crops because it was an ag- agrarian culture but the, the pro- that's the prophetic similitude here when in fact The crops were their finances. It was their substance. It was their economy. Are you with me on this? And so this is a prophetic similitude of God bringing a judgment to life. How do you know it was a judgment unto life? Because he later sent them a prophet. When? Well, it took seven years. To do what? To get their attention. Hello, are you with me? One of the failures in the Western Church is a failure to recognize the seriousness of sin. Because God hates sin. He loves sinners. Bible says that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. He knew what he was getting himself into. He did it anyway because he loves you. And as a good father, he's going to train you. An American culture is not pre, is no longer predisposed to discipline. We believe that freedom is the ability to do whatever you want. That is not freedom. Freedom is the ability to self-control. You still get to voluntarily do it, but you self-control according to a standard. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you can't have fun, which a lot of people quit going to church, and I've heard this over and over. You probably have too. It's like, well, the reason I don't go become a Christian is I've known too many Christians. Part of me says Amen. I'm not a religious guy, guys. I am not a religious guy. Just, you know, process that. I'm a relationship guy. And my relationship is with Christ, the Son of God, who who is both God and man all at the same time. That's a discussion about the Trinity we won't address today, perhaps in the future. So the point here in Judges is that God proved, once again, that he loved his people because he sent them a messenger to tell them the truth. But it took him seven years to move on the prophet to send him down and deliver the message. It was an act of discipline commensurate with what God perceived to be Enough to get their attention so that they would listen. My mentor, the closest thing to a spiritual father that I had was Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, and he used to he had he he had they called him Coleisms. You can still find his website; they still maintain that he would say these one-liners. You know these spiritual one-liners. He would, and uh, they were just they would strike you because they were profound. And he used to tell us that you can't mold clay when it's dry. And he would deal with our manhood. And it's true. Now, I'm a computer scientist by vocation and a data modeler. And so I can, my my career, I would model entities through time and motion. And uh, I began to recognize something about physics and that is that change rarely occurs without pressure you think about how profound that is things really circumstances things in our life it really changes without pressure so the prophet comes down and delivers the word and it wasn't until the lord the people of israel uh, did what Verse 7, they cried out to the Lord because of Midian. Listen, these people were, were driven off of their own land by the very ites. The ites in the Bible represent those on the outside, those who aren't part of the covenant. It also represents our sin. Okay, The ites in the land, there were six major tribes that the Israelites drove off the land that God had given Abraham so many years before. Six, because six is the number of man. And they represented the sins in our life, which the land, the true land, is you. You are God's land. You are where he wants to dwell. He wants to be one with you again, like he was with Adam before Adam sinned. He wants to be a family. He's the father, and we're the family, and he wants to hang out. And so he literally, and this is not the first time that it had happened, he used his own enemies to discipline his own people. And it took seven years, which is the number of perfection, it took seven years of this being driven off of their own land. They would think about how hard it was to plow those fields and to plant that seed and to wait for that rain and to look that, watch that crop mature. And as it began to fruit, your enemies come and graze it off. And they, they bring their livestock, their camels, their donkeys, their cattle, whatever. They eat the food. They, they, they reap your harvest and drive you off your land. And you've got to go up into the mountains and the hills. And if you can't find a cave that's there naturally that someone else is already occupying, you've got to dig one out of the side of the hill for yourself. And when they became so impoverished because of this, They cried out to the Lord. And when they cried out to the Lord, now, why did they cry out to the Lord? They were ready to listen. They recognized. We have been overcome by our own enemies. And it's not because, it's not for any other reason than we have disobeyed the Lord. This is a pattern. It's a prophetic pattern It's based upon a principle, and it never changes. Principles don't change. They're like gravity. Its force never changes. It never fades or abates, right? So, in December of 2019, I'm meditating this. And I'm being, I'm being stirred for a number of years, and I pray for America a lot. It's my assignment, my primary assignment. And politically, things were heating up. And I'm one of those people who believes that the church has a, not only a responsibility, but a commandment and a commission to preach the gospel, of the kingdom, into the governments of our nation without apology. This is what the Lord says. In the kingdom of God, the nation of the church is a priestly nation. God ordained to minister to the other nations. To all the nations, because the kingdom of God is not made with hands. It's not meat or drink, the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, But it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it lives within the the heart of every believer who has accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And the goal is to communicate the, the unbelievable goodness and eternal life and blessing of this message. Because God has done his part, and he commands you to do your part. Which is to repent, come back to him, and learn of his ways again that we lost in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. Are you with me? So I'm meditating this, and I could, I've been being stirred for a while. And I'm sitting at my desk one day, and the Holy Spirit comes on me and and begins to to talk to me, and I begin to see something. And so I wrote it down. And I've been doing this since 2015. I journal these things, not just during my soft sabbatical, but all during the year. So I've journaled all kinds of things the Lord said to me and dated them, but never published any of it, because I've been going through a a healing process myself, and a prep time. And he's spoken to me about th- that transition, which I believe I'm in now, and which is why I'm addressing this issue. And so I wrote this brief prophetic word down. Like I've done many other times before, it was very brief in this case, and I uh, then I walked away from it. There were actually two two of them. And, like I usually do, and I walked away from them, and it would come back up over the next few days, and I'd talk to the Lord about it, and finally walking the floor, i said you are you ever going to have me publish any of these things? This has been going on since twenty fifteen and this here it is two thousand nineteen and he said, "Yeah, you can publish those two right there." I was surprised to be honest with you, and I thought about it for a minute, and I thought, well i wasn't quite prepared for that answer because that's not how it's been but what do I have to you know I the uh, I had done some work on the podcast and had set it aside in lieu of some other things for a while but I did have the blog I've always had the blog up and going so I thought well to to fulfill all obedience here I'll I'll write this up and post it and then wait to see what to do next if anything and so after letting this, you know, marinate for a few days, I often do that. That's that's been my become my custom. Um, you don't want to prophesy out of your own heart. You want to make sure you're hearing the Lord and deliver it properly. So I did and had a solid conviction for it, so I published it. And then a few more days went by, and I thought the Lord moved on me and said, you know, there was a private group we have out on Facebook, so I made it pasted a copy of it into a message, and then I stopped, and that's all I did. And uh, I'm going to read you the word, and it was uh, posted on December 22nd of 2019, and here's the word. The year 2020 will witness the beginning of the fall of several of America's great cities. The clash of ideologies will escalate. In these places, there will be riots and there will be deaths. The Lord will strike at the foundations of those who deny him. Their love of self and the magnitude of their traffic and commerce. Their love of riches, fame, and power will be their undoing. He will puncture their wells. He will weaken the walls of their storehouses so that their trust in uncertain riches will bleed away. He will expose the disease of their lying deceptions and magnify the day of their corruption. All of that in which they trust will be weakened. Their influence will be drained away and their hypocrisy made known. He will then fill the void with His glory. He will send in His messengers who will deliver the ever brightening glory of salvation in God's Word. He will lift up His holy name in these places and will once again walk among His people who have cried out for Him and His righteousness and who have waited patiently for his deliverance. He will once again make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, and once again the world will know that he is the Lord. I published that in December 22nd of 2019. And as I sit on my love seat, my couch, my little theater room where I enjoy a movie most evenings and I'm a single guy, and i live I live alone and so um i watched would would follow social media like I often do and read mostly and I began to see things deteriorate and as we got into March, the announcement about covid hit, and the riots began to came come, and then the shootings came, and then pictures of fires and cars being burned and buildings being burned and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff began to happen, and I went, "Oh my gosh!" When it first started happening, I thought, "Lord, is, you know, is this what you meant? Is this what you're ta- you were talking about?" And as it went on, it became more and more obvious. It was, and I remembered Judges six. So, God loves you. God loves America. God loves Canada. God loves. The the nations in South America. God loves green. God loves the nations of the world. And he's letting us know. That enough is enough. And the first person. Ultimately here. That he's dealing with. Is his son Israel. Which. In Christ. Is the church. Made up of both Jews and Gentiles who've accepted the Messiah, Christ Jesus, as Lord and Savior. That's the Israel of God. And his commandment to us is that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But we have not listened to him. Not nearly in the way that he's commanded. And so the Lord is saying, can you hear me now? Return to me. And I will return to you. Two verses of scripture and I'll end. Hebrews 12. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against them sin and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons my son do not despise the chastening of the lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for when the for whom the lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives that's the bible's way of saying he's going to turn you over his knee and give you a spanking Ask me how I know. (laughs) If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? If God loves you, he'll correct you. Literally. Didn't Jesus say, except you be as little children? You cannot inherit the kingdom. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Can you see? Can you see now? And next podcast, I'm going to deal with that second word. These are on my blog, christopherlincarter.com. You can go, click on the hamburger menu and where it says blog, and then there's a category on there called the prophetic. And there are six words on there. You can You can read them. I'm going to be podcasting on the coming renewal. There is a coming renewal, and believe me, we need it. But let me finish today with what the Lord is saying to America, to Canada, to France, to Venezuela, uh, to Great Britain, to Russia, to Ukraine. And the list can go right on to, and no one is left out. This is what God, the Creator, is saying to us. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14, many of you are familiar with this. Listen, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will will heal their land. I used to tell, when I pastored those eight years, I used to tell my people, When you walk with God, you must learn to become satisfied with a promise. Because that is how he rolls. Why? Because faith is what we lost in the garden, and faith is what he's training you back into. When we're hanging out in heaven in the eternity, when all of this mess is over with, you're still going to be using your faith. Get used to it. You must learn to become satisfied with a promise. God is telling us, the nations right now, flat out what you must do. He's going to bring a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. He's doing it now. Since 2019, before we knew about COVID, before we knew, before any of the riots, before any of this stuff. He said, here it comes. Can you hear me now? One thing about delivering a word from the Lord is that once you hear it, you cannot unhear what you've heard. He told me to deliver messages. He told me, I'm going to give you a message, and I want you to deliver it. Well, here it is. He didn't tell me to enforce it. He didn't tell me anything else because I don't have desire or power for any of that. He just said, here, just be my message. Be my errand boy. Just deliver this. So there it is. Okay. I think next podcast we'll get into that um, word about the coming renewal because God is faithful to forgive. He's expecting the church to rise up and with boldness and with power, to speak his word. Welcome to boot camp, man. You've just been drafted. <laughs> the writer said, "I my speech and my preaching, my my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God." Amen. Hey everyone, this is Christopher Carter. I would like to tell you about the release of my latest book entitled Forever A Tale of the Victorious End of Time. It's my second full length novel and my first in Christian fiction. Forever imagines what the end times might be like during the millennial age of the church. It's a mystery and suspense novel with a full cast of people, angels, and demon characters. The storyline is drawn from Revelation's chapter 20, where the Bible says Satan must be released one last time. I think you're going to like it. Visit my website at christopherlyncarter.com. Click on bookshelf and follow the links. It's available now in paperback, Kindle ebook, and audiobook with narration and voice characterizations by Yours Truly. That's forever at christopherlyncarter.com check it out you won't be disappointed